We're good to be together tonight, to be able to study together and worship together. And I appreciate uh, Garland's comments on the, on the song. And I think the lesson tonight is going to touch on, a, I guess, the other side of our emotive responses to the gospel and to God, and especially as we think about Christ. Uh, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark, and now we've come up, and the next six lessons that are going to come from the Gospel of Mark are going to follow along with the suffering of Christ. And I'll be very honest with you tonight as we look at the prayers of Christ in the garden and what he struggled and went through here. This is one of the uh, most challenging passages in studying. And I, I know that might seem strange, but to think about the depths of Christ's identity and the fullness of his humanity and yet the fullness of him being God. It is an amazing thing to think of him praying in the garden. It is uh, sweat drops of blood, the tears and the cries that he wept, to be able to think about Jesus and how he is responding to what is going to be before him. And so our exposition tonight will come from Mark 14. So if you want to go on and go over there, you can do that. Uh, but we will move around some. Do we approach and handle trials like the rest of the world? And I hope that we as Christians can, we have the ability to handle things with greater strength. And if anything we come away with tonight, when we look at the prayers of Christ and we see what was gained um, from His prayers in the garden and His closeness and drawing close to His heavenly Father in prayer, uh, the suffering He went through, the distress He went through, the trembling that was in His response and the death that was before Him are, are things that are striking to me. Um, I know, what it's like. I know what it's like to be able to respond in things of the world where people today, uh, it would shake them to their core and, and bring them down. But we as Christians have a strength unlike any other. On the other hand, I, I think I can relate to things in my life that have brought me to my knees. When I can say, I know what Christ, or at least a little bit of what Christ was going through here, at least I can relate to it. I can relate to his cries. I can relate to what he was going through. And I hope that as we, we go here, that is just something very striking to the heart to read this passage, to see Jesus, God come in the flesh and facing death. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 that death is the enemy. It's very true. It's the enemy that we all face. We're all going to experience. And the only way to overcome death is the way that Christ did it as the first fruits that he rose from the dead in the resurrection. I want you to look at this passage here in Hebrews, and I think it's striking. It puts a little bit more um, context or more uh, thought into who Jesus is, which is what we're getting in the book of Hebrews. We're getting the identity of God and who Jesus Christ is and how great he is. And in Hebrews 5, verses 7 through 8, the writer says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears with loud cries and tears you ever prayed like that it says to him who was able to save him from death he's praying to god the one who can save him from death does he hear him yes he saves him from death not from the not from going through the death but that him being sinless rises from the dead conquering death and he was heard because of his reverence and although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And if this wasn't written in Scripture, I would not think of Jesus in the way of learning obedience 
through the suffering and what he endured on the cross and the prayers and the things that he went through that we're going to read about this evening. So we're getting the very beginning of it. We see the fullness again of Jesus' humanity displayed in his sufferings with cries and tears and prayers. When I think about that night, and every time um, Passover comes around every year, and sometimes Pastor, Passover and Easter do not line up. I can explain that later. It has to do with lunar calendar. But in, in the book of Exodus, it says in the first month, the first Jewish month, in the month of Abib, on the 14th day, on that evening, they were to offer the sacrifice of the Passover. And if you know anything about the lunar calendar, especially the Jewish calendar, it starts at a new moon. What happens two weeks later? On the 14th of Abib. Every single time Passover came along, there was a full moon. And when last the leaders comes about, at, um, and it's usually that time of the year, and sometimes at last the leaders, there will be a, um, a group of uh, even Jewish people meeting there, eating, um, commemorating that meal. It makes you think about some of those things. Of course, now we know Christ is our, our Passover. Do you go up and look in the sky at that time of the year, and you look up and you see a full moon. And I think about the moon and what Christ prayed under. And some of those things, they, they come to my mind. As I think more, and I read the Old Testament, and I think about his sacrifice. And what Christ goes through here, I think, brings it even more into reality. What he suffers for us, his prayers. And, and it's true, you know a lot about a person by how they pray. The scriptures do not depict Jesus facing death, at least from anything I've read, with joy. Not that there wasn't an ultimate joy behind it or, or victory that he had in mind. But I don't read of anything, and, and maybe I'm missing something. But there's no expression of, of joy in that. He was distressed, it says, in the scripture that we're going to read, in the passages here, and he is troubled. Why is that? Well, we see the... The humility of Christ here. We see his emotion. We see the seriousness of, the, uh, of what takes place. We see his posture to bow down before God. Have you ever prayed on your knees? Have you ever prayed and even prostrate on the ground? I hope that when we look at Christ and we think about this, we, we see that sincerity that we ourselves need. Our faith needs to be that way. That we will go to our Father and pray like Jesus and pray for strength. And Jesus asked for this cup to pass for him. If it, if it be your will, let this, let this go away. That's not what happens. But God does answer Jesus' prayer. He hears him for his reverence. That's what we just read in Hebrews chapter 5. And we see it ultimately in his victory. But what we're going to see tonight is even when, when Christ finishes praying. So if you have a Bible, let's go on and read here and then we'll make some observations. What I want you to do is we're reading through Mark chapter 14, 32 to 30, 42. Look at some things, maybe something you've never seen before. Maybe connect some points, make some observations about the, the text here on what Christ is enduring. Mark chapter 14, look at verses 32 and following. And so soon after the Lord's Supper and after Christ had spoken, he had they'd sung a song and they were going up to the Mount of Olives. He has confronted his disciples, not just Peter, but all of his disciples that they were going to fall away that evening. 
And this is what we read in verse 32. And they went up to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. Distressed and troubled. 34. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went again and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. I one thing, if we make one observation before a few of my notes right here. I want you to pay attention to the text and what happens. At the beginning, we see Christ troubled and distressed. And at the end, does he sound that way? He sounds stronger. He rises up. He says, let's go. You see that he has the strength that God gives him and blesses him to have. Here's some observations I, I see here. Jesus' custom was to get away and pray. That's what he does here. It, it says in the other Gospels, as was his custom to go, especially to the Mount of Olives. He went off to a desolate place. And we as Christians need to learn to pray in the same way. Christ prayed through great sorrow. I think sometimes we might get down to our, on ourselves and say, you know, the only time I really start praying the way that I should is often when I go through hard times. Well, maybe it is through those hard times that I draw closer to God and realize I need to be praying more. Praying in times of thanksgiving, yes, but that time of great sorrow, a time to turn to God to seek Him out for strength. I see this. Christ humbles Himself. I see the humility of our Lord. And he fell to the ground. Christ prayed that His suffering pass, the hour pass. Jesus prayed knowing that all things were possible for God. It could be taken away. He could call 10,000 angels. Christ instructed the disciples to pray not to enter into temptation. And we'll talk more about that. And I think that's an important part as we think about the subject of prayer. But I hope as we look at this, and maybe you have other observations, I like to hear them afterwards. But to get a big picture of what Jesus is doing here, his example of what we can gain from it. You take time to pray. Do you take time to get away, uh, to be on your own? You ever thought of vacation like that? I hope you do. You ever thought of anything you do as far as recreation like that? I've been doing a lot of fishing lately. Uh, and I don't even care if I catch anything. I like being out there. I, I like the good weather right now. I like the sun. I like the beautiful scenery. But I really like being able to be out there on my own and pray. And I hope that we take time for that. Maybe it's when you get up in the morning and you go to work, whatever your drive might be. 
You might be listening to the radio. Maybe turn it off and pray. Some of you might do that. Maybe you listen to Scripture. Think about that. And you go on vacation. Again, is it a time really to relax? You ever gone on vacation and come back and felt like you didn't go? I'm a father. I feel like that almost every vacation. <laughs> I'm just stressed. And, and so a lot of our vacations, it's like, be quiet. I can't take the noise anymore. It's a 10-hour drive. I just want you to be quiet. Um, we're in a little car. I need to calm down. Um, but if I can, and usually somewhere where I go, I'm able to go and to be by myself and pray. And Christ told us to pray that way. I want you to look at these examples here. I meant for these to come in order, but I think that works. Now look at Mark 1 and verse 35 in the beginning. It says, I'm rising very early in the morning. So Jesus is a morning person, so am I. No, sometimes he stayed up late and I can't do that. But you do see that. I mean, if you need to get up early, if you need to stay up late, do what's necessary. And so rising very early in the morning, it says, while it was still dark, he departed and went to a desolate place and there he prayed. And this we see throughout the scriptures. And I can't even put all of them up here. Here's another one. But he withdrew to a desolate places and to pray. Uh, there in Luke, 15, uh, Luke 5, verse 16. Uh, the other passage there, Luke 6 and verse 12. And in these days he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And so to go camping, to hike to the top of, the, top of a mountain. Um, you see a lot of, I would say, the, the manliness within Christ to do that. I can say that I've never done anything like that. Maybe I've, I've prayed almost all through a night, sometimes in distress. I couldn't do anything else. But certainly not in that way. But as I think about Christ and the way that he behaved and, and, and the way he prayed, it's amazing. This is what I see constantly throughout Scripture. And when we go to God and we know that our prayers are being heard, and, and I like the expression, when we pray, God is going to say, Either yes, not yet, or I've got a better way. And it's very true. Uh, and in Christ right here, he asked you know, that he be delivered from it. What does he gain? What, is he, what does God give him? Strength is what is given to him. And the Scriptures say that. In Luke 22 and verse 43, it says, The angels came and ministered to him and strengthened him. God gives strength. And we look at a number of, the, number of the passages. I think about Ephesians chapter 3, when you get an example of Paul's prayer there. He says, I, I pray for you, the Ephesians. And what does he say? He says in his prayer that he is strengthened by the Spirit within him, within the inward person. I want to know what the Holy Spirit does as he personally indwells. It says here he strengthens us. We read other passages like Philippians 4 that tells us if we make our requests known to God, He will give us the peace that surpasses all understanding. And I know that as a Christian and anybody in here who's faithfully prayed and turned to God, God does give us strength through prayer and the things that we must endure, and He does give us peace. I know that every one of us can say that. God will not fail to give Christians the strength if we pray. I wonder about the many things that we, we go through, some, some of the trials that I face, and I think about it. I went through that, and did I even think to pray? 
that I take the time to turn it over to God. Jesus shows us again he's willing to do that. He sets that example for us. Before coming to the garden again, Christ had warned his disciples. He said, you will all fall away. And as he's praying in that garden, what has he told his disciples to do? He says, you pray and you watch. And when he tells them to pray, he's saying, I want you to pray for yourselves because a time of testing is coming. Temptation is coming. You know, before he goes up there, they all say, we won't deny you. Every one of them goes straight. And I wonder if the disciples would have prayed. I know Zechariah says that they would all do this. It's prophesied. And take away their free will, though. For this reason, Jesus commanded them. I want you to pay attention to this, his instruction here. In the midst of his prayer, he's always thinking about them as well. He says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Would Christ command his disciples to pray a prayer in the facing of temptation and the trials that would be coming upon them, temptations of their flesh, if it wasn't effective? And you think about the temptations, the things that go on in your life, the things you struggle not to say. The sins that face you every single day. The temptations that are before you. Whether it's the thoughts you shouldn't be having. The things you shouldn't be seeing. And Jesus says the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. That's why we need to pray. I struggle. I know I'm going to be tempted. And I'll say this. Christ would not have commanded his disciples to pray like this unless it was effective, unless it gave them strength. If they would have said the prayer and it would not have benefited them here, what would have been the point? Now he's telling them the truth. Watch and pray that you might not enter into temptation. Spirit indeed is willing, the flesh is weak. Before we finish tonight, I wanted to give you this scripture. This is worth a whole other sermon right here. Hopefully I won't preach another one. But we're going to look right here, Romans 15. And often this is one of those passages, you read through the book of Romans, you kind of, you might not think about it. And I can give you the whole context. You got, again, Paul writing to the Romans. He's not been to Rome yet. He's taking uh, things that have been given, of, that have been collected to Jerusalem to help those in, in times of trial. And he appeals to his brothers and asks them for prayer. Listen to what he says. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. Paul does that many times. He says, by the love of the Spirit, by the love of the Spirit, the first of the fruits of the Spirit is love, to strive together. The word for strive here means to fight, to struggle. He says, I want you to struggle together with me. How do you do that? He says, to pray with me, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. And Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and you would think someone guided by the Holy Spirit, one of the greatest evangelists ever to live, that is second to Christ, saying, pray for me and what I'm about to face. Pray for me on my behalf to God, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. And you know what happens when he gets to Judea and Jerusalem. He is pursued. He will be under arrest uh, uh, there for two years in Caesarea. 
before he's going to cross the Mediterranean, um, seems like it wasn't against his will, but it was according to God's will, to ultimately bring him to Rome. And so he says, pray for me. And you see the answers prayed in the book of Acts. I mean, the answers answered, I mean, the prayers answered, excuse me, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, that my service for, for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. And you can go to Acts chapter 28 and you can read, is that what happened? Yes. So I think as we think about Christ tonight and we think about his humanity, his distress, his sweat there in the garden, we see the strength that God gives. Let's not hold back in our prayer. We'll be diligent in it and not to hold back on what we feel from our heart as well. But Jesus, in the face of betrayal and mockery and death, that's what he did that night before he was betrayed. He spoke to his Father in heaven. And this is the conclusion again. Let me give a few more verses here. Mark 14, 41 to 43. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough the hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is, is at hand. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came one of the twelve, and with a crowd with swords and clubs and from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders, and begin to see what's going to lead us into in two weeks from now that we look a little bit further into the suffering of Christ. And although Christ prayed, God may not have changed the cup that he had to bear. He gave him what he needed to endure. I encourage you tonight, if you need prayers, you need us to pray with you, to strive with you in prayer and the things that you are struggling and facing. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. If you haven't been baptized, you're not a Christian yet. You're not saved yet. And here's the gospel, that you hear it and believe and confess that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that he is the Lord, and that you die to your sins, repent, be baptized, and rise from baptism to live a faithful life in the newness of life. It is Christ that gives us that blessing and that salvation. Tonight, if you need to be baptized, you need prayer. We encourage you to come right now while we stand and while we sing. Please come.